Welcome back. You are being with Ron Ash and Anita Borjani, author of Dying to Be Me, My Journey from Cancer to Near Death to True Healing. Welcome to being, Anita. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. Um, I have to say, and I have to share with uh, you, and I've shared with the listeners uh, earlier on the show that, uh, you know, it, it, there are no coincidences in life. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes it's to move us forward in a certain direction. Sometimes it's to give us a lesson. And um, our being here today uh, on this show is all about that, too. I actually happen to be... Um, going through the channels on television, and I stopped on PBS. And I'm I'm sorry to say I missed your segment. Uh-huh. But as I was doing that, I was on Facebook chatting with a friend, Sunita Sukdio in uh, Queens, New York. And uh, she says, oh, I'm, I'm actually watching PBS right now, too. And she's a huge Dr. Wayne Dyer fan. And uh, she started typing some things that I didn't understand, uh, Anita, and uh, saying a couple of different things. And, and um, my mom's name is Anita. So I was kind of my mind is is shifting towards my mom and away from the PBS special, <laughs> and you know, and so I really did. I, I never really got to put you know two and two together, and then finally, um, you know, towards the end, she she started saying, "Oh, it's this author that's on. Um, you, you should probably look into uh, interviewing her on the show," and um, kind of put that away put the computer away, you know, went to bed, woke up the next day, checking my email, and lo and behold, I have a email from Karina, your publicist at Hay House. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How interesting is that? Yeah. I mean, Spirit's <laughs> timing is it's Im- impeccable. And, uh, you know, she gave me the dates that you were available, and lo and behold, uh, here you are today. And I think we were going back. That probably uh, took place on, um, boy, I want to say Wednesday. Wow. They next dated me your book, and I got it uh, Thursday, and I began reading it. And um, I have to compliment you on your writing style because it's um, very revealing as far as the type of person you are. It's not overcomplicated. Um, It's as if you're sitting in a living room with a new friend and you're discovering about each other. Oh wow! Thank you, thank you. I'm, yeah, I I like to think my writing style is quite simple and and friendly. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, well, well, thanks for the compliment. I, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> and you know, when you look at it, all the great avatars of our, of our time, they really communicated simply, really pretty much at at, at the uh, eighth grade level, I would say. You know, they wanted people to understand. They didn't want to over-academicize anything. They wanted to enlighten and help people to understand. And many times they did it through a story. And and life is our story. And it's always revealing more and more to us so that we have the opportunity to learn from it and also to share with other people so they can learn from it too. Yes, and I, I agree with that because I really, really like to simplify things, keep things as simple as possible so that as many people as possible can be included in whatever it is, the concepts, the ideologies. It needs to be as inclusive as possible. Mm-hmm. In the initial chapters of your book, I think I read up to maybe Chapter 5 or Chapter 6, um, you talked a lot about how fear played a role um, in your development uh, over the years, you talked a little bit about childhood, and then you went up to pretty much young adulthood and adulthood to the point where you were um, time to find that husband. Yeah. 
yeah i had a i guess i had a pretty interesting upbringing um for for western people they would find it quite interesting for indian mm-hmm. people it's not surprising yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. so um the fears began to build up you began to see different things um initially it was in uh, religion and um you know you started to question what's the right thing to do what's the wrong thing to do i don't want to be punished in internal damnation uh, you know i don't want to be uh looked down upon by the people in my community all these different things um contributed to um the disease that you contracted later on yes <clears throat> i always had this feeling that um that i wasn't good enough that i didn't measure up uh, i I lived with that constantly because I was brought up in such a multicultural society and mm-hmm. I felt I just didn't belong to any one particular culture because I was so exposed, my parents being Hindu and having gone to a British school and living in a Chinese society. I mean, I, I grew up in Hong Kong. And um, so I really felt that I didn't measure up to any of these. And it's and although in the beginning I, I, I write a little bit about the religion, a lot of it is really the cultural values, what people value as being good and bad, mm-hmm. right and wrong. Yeah. And they're so contradicting in different cultures. Um, in, in Western culture, for example, uh, it's a good thing to exceed and to excel and to be number one. In Asian culture, in my culture, if a woman does it, it's not mm-hmm. a good thing. It's a bad thing. You're supposed to play small. You're supposed to be subservient. And so there was all of this conflicting thing where I just felt I didn't measure up to any culture. I felt I didn't belong anywhere. And I was constantly feeling that I had to work on myself to fit in, to be liked, um, to be anything, to be more spiritual, to be more Indian, or to be more Western, to fit in with Western people. So, um, yeah, I I always felt I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Well, this is very common in the Western world also. Um, A lot of it is dictated by the media. You see these uh, beautiful people on the covers of uh, magazines. You see people on television who have certain things. And uh, this is a big issue for the Western world, for the United States uh, particularly, uh, where we have a lot of people who are experiencing a lot of uh, psychological issues linked to these things. They don't feel they're good enough. Yes. They and feel I... like they can't leave the house unless they're wearing a certain type of sneaker or a certain type of clothing, or their face looks a certain way, their hair looks a certain way, they're driving a certain car. I can go on and on. Yep, exactly. And these feelings, then, um, as they get bigger and bigger, we start you know, if we start to get really fearful about not measuring up and we start getting uh, fearful, like for me, for example, I was a real people pleaser because mm-hmm. I just wanted so badly to be liked. So I basically lost myself. And forget about psychological issues. I think over a period of time they cause physical issues on, in your body. They, I, I really think that um, illnesses, a lot of illnesses come mm-hmm. from initially a lot of deep-rooted emotional feelings and self-loathing or um, huge um, self-esteem issues. It, it mm-hmm. leads to physical issues. Yeah. You know, and it, and it plays in our subconscious also. Um, my mother had multiple sclerosis for 20 years. 
Um, she contracted it in her early 40s. At that point, I was in my early 20s. Um, it's There you go. At, at another non-coincidence, I was actually uh, with my wife, and we were speaking with a, uh, a friend of mine who's a psychoanalyst, and uh, we, with the topic of conversation came up um, that I don't worry. I choose not to worry. And my wife, on the other hand, is what we call a worry wart. She worries uh -huh. all the time. And if people around her are not worrying with her, she gets very upset by that. <laughs> so she asked uh, me, you know, was there a time? Well, she asked my wife, actually. Was there a time when he uh, did worry? Do you remember a time? And uh, she couldn't remember right off bat, so I had a reminder. I said, don't you remember uh, back in my 20s, I was working in a job that I hated because I felt that this was what I had to do. It's where my experience lied. Um, and I became very sick, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I began to yeah. go to different doctors. And, and when I was in the doctor's office, it was even more uh amplified because I'm sitting on the table there and I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Because now I have the visualization of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> coming into play, you know. So I, you know, I, I, I had, I was doctor to doctor, test to test, and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. But I was terribly sick. Yeah, and and the more you go to the doctors, the more the sicker you actually get. Yeah, because from the you're worries. reinforcing the sickness. Something is wrong with me. So yes. Thank God, eventually I found myself with the doctor Michael Fine, who's actually a uh, uh, head of the health department in Rhode Island right now. And um, he took some time, and he said, Ron, what's going on in your life right now? And we spoke for about 10 minutes, and I'm sure it wasn't any longer than that, and I told him, well, you know, I'm in this job, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, taking care of my mother who has MS, and she's bedridden, and, and all these things that I was not really thinking about during the day, but subconsciously they were existing there. And, um, you know, so we talked a little while. We, we kind of got grounded in some things, Um we came to a conclusion, and, and lo and behold, within a matter of weeks, the symptoms totally disappeared. You see, there, there you go. That's an exact example of, yeah, it's it's our psychological situation, emotional, actually. I like to think, um, at least this is what I feel, that really it's our emotions that are the most important because mm -hmm. feelings of happiness, joy, or sorrow, worry, they wear down at our emotions first, yeah. and, then, and then I think... The more we wear down at our emotions, the more it starts to wear down on our physical body. Our immune system starts mm -hmm. to become compromised. Yeah. Yeah, the emotions are a powerful thing. Um, the thing that really got me, I guess, with my mother, and I believe the, the uh, my siblings as well, was, okay, she's sick, she's 40, she has multiple sclerosis. Well, we have multiple sclerosis, and we saw her rapid degeneration, so this was very and you've gone through that too with the cancer. You had friends um, and relatives that had cancer. You saw this, and this really contributed to the effect of increasing those emotions, putting yourself in their places, visualizing you there, and, and experiencing everything evolved with that. Absolutely, because I watched my my best friend dying of cancer and mm -hmm. actually it was while she had her cancer that I got diagnosed with cancer and my brother-in-law um, sorry my husband's brother-in-law also got diagnosed with cancer and I watched two people deteriorate and they were getting the best treatment that money can buy one was mm -hmm. being treated at one of the top cancer hospitals in New York the other one at the top cancer hospital in Hong Kong um, 
and it was absolutely the best treatment that money can buy, but they weren't getting better. They were deteriorating. Mm. They were getting worse, and the treatment was very aggressive, very harsh, and really uh, wore them down. And um, and when I got diagnosed with cancer, I thought, this is it. This, I could, you know, it's like literally, um, it's as though I felt it in my bones. It's as though I knew, okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die. This is a death sentence. And I watched what was happening to them, and I just visualized that that's what's going to happen to me. And sure enough, it is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I went through, I went down a very similar route in that, um, that I also my cancer spread and it um, and you know to a point where I was it, it had spread throughout my lymphatic system and I was ridden to a wheelchair my lungs were filled with fluid I was on oxygen I couldn't walk I had low grade fever all the time it was everything I'd seen but until that cancer diagnosis um, I was physically fine with no symptoms mm-hmm. and all I had was one little lump on my collarbone, the base of my neck on my left-hand side, and I and I went to the doctor, and they biopsied it, and they confirmed it was lymphoma. And But until that point, I had no other symptoms. And, um, and the lump um, had been there for a little while, and then I had started to get scared and thought I should get it tested because mm. I was watching my friend die of cancer. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And and not only does this have an effect on our health, but yeah. this law, basically the law of attraction, has an effect on every area of our life. It could be our relationships. It could be our finances. um, could be our uh, careers. Pretty much anything. Yeah. It really could be pretty much anything. And, and, and I feel... One of the things that I really learned is that, um, like I learned it in my near-death experience state, was that um, was that it's really important to love and value myself. And it was mm-hmm. this whole lifetime of accumulation of always feeling that I had to work at being loved, that I was never good enough, mm-hmm. and I constantly had to work at being deserving and lovable. That, for me, that was what had contributed to my fears, which had contributed mm-hmm. to my cancer. And at no point in my life had anyone ever said to me that you don't have to be like anyone anyone else. Like, you're perfect. You're fine the way mm-hmm. you are. It doesn't matter if, um, you know, that that you you don't want to have an arranged marriage or that you um, that you don't fit into British culture or Indian culture mm-hmm. or whatever. You're still perfect. You're still unique. And that's all you have to be is be yourself, be unique. Whereas I was always trying to please other people and be somebody I was not. I just uh-huh. needed to know that it's okay to be yourself and you're still yeah. deserving and you're still lovable. Yeah. That's all I needed to know. And And so many of us don't know that. That's why it's so simple. Yeah. Your opinion of me is none of my business. I think yeah. Wayne said that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh gosh, you know it's very interesting because um, you know I, I I read through some of the book and I recall um, you know the uh, rules that were laid down as far as dating goes. You had a chance to date. You met somebody that you liked, and you had a chance to date them twice. And then uh, if you wanted to see them the third time, you would have to be engaged. Well, for me. 
I began to date my wife in the uh, late 80s in college. I met her in college, and um, I was not able to date her at all until we were engaged. Ah, <laughs> that's that's interesting. Well, is that something? Um, I mean, who who defined that for you? Um, it was her mother and her wishes to uh, please her mom. Oh, how yes. interesting. See, that yes, sounds... She's, uh, yeah, she's Cape similar. Verdean, which is uh, uh, a culture that is, for the most part, very European. Um, and I don't see this in the many European cultures. However, this was how it was. So we actually got engaged. And after we um, got engaged, we began to learn more and more about each other. Oh, and but in your case, it actually worked out, which is fantastic. We've been together for quite some time. If it's worked out, that's uh, <laughs> yet to be determined. <laughs> you know, because there's, there's always, sometimes in our lives, we need contrast to distinguish the, the what we want from what we don't want. Um, sometimes there's a lesson to be learned, Um you know, you mentioned that um, um, during your ascension, you had the choice. Yes. To come back or not to come back. And it was a lot to do with uh, being finished with what you and your husband had to do here together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I understood that it wasn't my time yet, but I still had a choice to come back or not. Like, even though it wasn't my time, it was still okay to choose to go onward into death. Mm-hmm. And and it was the harder choice was to come back because it was so amazing on the other side. It was absolutely, uh, it was it was just you know I felt I felt like I was home. I felt for mm-hmm. the first time it's something I'd never felt in in this lifetime in the physical lifetime. I felt that I was loved unconditionally, just yeah. absolutely loved. Yeah. And I felt I didn't have to do anything to deserve it. I didn't have to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I was just loved because I existed. No other reason. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we talked a little bit how about how spirit moves in our lives and uh, sets the stage, you know, uh, lays it out so we can play it out, so to speak. And um, I recall a day that I got a call from an acquaintance of mine, uh, a business acquaintance, and uh, he asked me, and he said, you know, if you don't feel that you want to do this, you don't have to do this. But my uh, friend had just passed, and uh, he struggled with cancer for many years since he was a child. And actually, he, he you know, he, he grew up with cancer. He uh, got married with cancer. He had children with cancer. But, you know, he came to the point where it was time for him to leave. His request from his friends was to have a motorcycle procession at his funeral. So here is an acquaintance of mine asking me to ride in a motorcycle procession for somebody I I don't know at all. And part of me was saying, "Eh, maybe, maybe not, but more likely not, you know, given my schedule and the things that I had to do. Well, went to sleep that night, got woken up in the morning by a very distinctive bell a bell that I had never heard before that I lovingly referred to as an angel bell. It was kind of like a bong. So I sat up in bed and I what was that? <laughs> and kind of shrugged it off, you know, got up, walked across the room and uh, into the uh, bathroom. And uh, suddenly I just felt this 
power surge right in through my entire body. It was just being consumed with this energy. And from experience, I knew that spirit wanted me to go either for him or for me. So uh, got ready. Uh, my motorcycle was actually at a commercial property I owned in the next town over. So I drove over there, picked up the motorcycle, drove the motorcycle to the funeral home, uh, got there just in time. Not a wow. minute there, yeah. And um, I kept feeling this prompting to go into the church. It was a, a Roman Catholic church. Um, I didn't know anybody there. I, like I said, it was an acquaintance's friend. Um, then suddenly I, I just ha- couldn't fight it anymore. I went inside the church, and I'm standing in the back of the church. And again, I'm looking at different people, and I can't uh, distinguish one person from another. I don't know the relationships or anything like that. But I started feeling this guy's spirit unbelievably coming in and out of me in the form of a vibration. And it got very intense when I looked at the man who I would come to find out later was his father. It was that relationship. But what really stood out and the lesson for me that day was his feeling, the freedom, the joy, being rid of the pain and the agony of the disease and being so like just taken by the whole experience. Wow, I have no limits. I'm everywhere at the same time and the freedom of it. And it it was just an amazing experience. And as I picked up your book and I started reading a little bit, I was like, wow, this is it. She was in that person's place and she was experiencing it. And I was here in the physical experience and what he was experiencing at the same time. It just amazed me. Wow, see, it's really incredible. It's It was him that was actually, it's like when when we when I was everywhere, it was like I became the people. It's like at our consciousness level, mm. when we're not expressing through our physical bodies, we're not limited to one specific time and place. So I was aware of everything that was happening around me, but every person, it was like I became my husband. I became the doctors and nurses. Mm-hmm. I could feel every emotion they were feeling. And probably your friend had become you, and you could feel everything he was feeling. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah, the joy and the freedom and, you know, just to be healthy. And he just wanted his father to know that was his, that was what, part of why I was there, it was for me to learn and even yeah. to tell the story today. And for me to give a message uh, to his father that he's okay, you know, and thank you, I love you. And the power that I felt, I could feel that love. The love was the most predominant thing in the experience. And that that is the most real emotion because what I feel is that at our core, all of us, are just our love. But then we layer it and layer it with all these fears that make us, react in such different mm-hmm. ways. Everything we seem to do, I mean, we have become pathologically fearful and this just just lays all these thick coats over our love so you can't even see the love anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we're, even when we're looking for our perfect partner or mate, we do it out of fear. You know, it's like, I don't want to be alone. I better try this person. Mm-hmm. I better open myself up. And and we make lists of what we want them to be, and we do it all out of a fear of being alone or getting old and not having found a partner. And everything we do, even when we care for our health, we do it out of a fear of getting ill as opposed to out of a love for our body, our mm-hmm. life, our health. You know, even when we want to find the perfect partner, we forget 
that we, uh, I want a partner in my life because I'm deserving. I love um, I love myself, and I'm such a fun person to be with. And mm-hmm. so, of course, people will want to be with me. Instead, we go into the whole fear trip: is I'm not good enough. I better change. I better be like this so I can get a partner. Our whole way of thinking is kind of upside down. We, everything we do, we do out of fear. Yeah, very true. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break, and we'll talk a little bit more about that experience when we get back. So uh, hold tight. We'll be back in a few. And if so, what are the dynamics that work behind the perception of that reality? What is the true definition of sin? And why is total self-acceptance crucial to one's evolution? A new paradigm rests on the change that comes through understanding the answers to these questions. The Narrow Gate, a journey through identity, belief, and perception, is Joe Dana's exceptionally thought-provoking narrative, offering this understanding in a passion-filled display of universal law, available through bookstores, Amazon, and www.jpdana.com. Get pain relief now. Dr. Amy Westrick understands what you're going through. Nothing matters more than getting out of pain. Spinal adjustments, physiotherapy, and massage therapy are all treatments available at Eastside Chiropractic Center, Incorporated. Specialized care, provider recommended, soothing results. Eastside Chiropractic Center, Incorporated, 511 Broadway, Providence, Rhode Island. Call 401-453-BACK or visit Dr. Amy Westrick online at drwestrick.com. Do you have a special gift that you'd like to share with the world? Then consider broadcasting your message on BTRN. The Bean Talk Radio Network is local, national, and international broadcasting with powerful programs that enlighten minds and change lives. BTRN hosts are passionate about purpose, motivating listeners to confidently move forward in the direction of their dreams. To host a show on BTRN, call 401-640-GIFT. Become a part of the Bean Talk Radio Network today and contribute to positive change tomorrow. We are BTRN. The Bean Talk Radio Network. Learn how to connect with spirit and create the life of your dreams. Purchase the complete Ron Ash collection and save 45% now. Get the Apostle's Recipe for Happiness, Breaking Through, Being, and the Secret of Divine Intervention today for only $30. That's $25 off the retail price. Make your life-expanding purchase today at beingwithronash.wordpress.com. Again, that's beingwithronash.wordpress.com. Looking for the best choice in appliance sales and services? Danny's Appliance Sales and Services has what you're looking for. Whether you choose a new or recycled appliance, Danny's Appliance Sales and Services strives to reduce waste and save energy. Keep your appliances in your kitchen and out of the landfill. Danny's Appliance Sales and Services professionals are experts in appliance repair and know how to save you money. Before you make your next appliance decision, call Danny's Appliance Sales and Services at 401-351-0510. Danny's Appliance Sales and Services, 263 Academy Avenue, Providence, Rhode Island. 
Quality pets, premium products, and caring professionals. Pure Paradise Pets, family-owned and operated since 1987. Pure Paradise Pets knows your pets and how to care for them. Wild reptiles, exotic birds, tropical fish, and furry pets from mild to wild. Book a reptile party for your child's birthday. Experience the kid-friendly zoo-like atmosphere. Skip the rest. Come to the best. Pure Paradise Pets, 29 Putnam Avenue, Johnston, Rhode Island, 401-231-5710, pureparadisepets.net. Are you interested in promoting yourself, your business, or your platform? If so, you should contact RMA Associates for the most cost-effective ways to promote what you do. RMA has over 25 years of experience helping their clients grow while meeting the challenges of an ever-changing market. Email RMA today at rma.associates at yahoo.com for more information. Again, that's rma.associates at yahoo.com. Enlightenment is not reserved for gurus or those with special status. It is your birthright. Yes, you, the one who's listening right now. Scott Killaby, non-dual teacher, brings the message of spiritual enlightenment into plain, accessible English. Direct, simple, and to the point. Scott Killaby will be holding live talks April 26th in Lincoln, Massachusetts at 43 Sudbury Road, April 27th through the 29th in Providence, Rhode Island at the Providence Institute, and on May 19th and 20th in East Madison, New Hampshire at the Purity Spring Resort. For details on these talks, visit scottkillabytalks.com. Check out Scott Killaby's innovative direct approach at livingrealization.org. Eric Peterson and his title, Rainbow. You can connect with Eric and all of our guests, past, present, and future at beingwithronash.com. That's beingwithronash.com. You are Being With Ron Ash and Anita Moore Johnny, author of Dying to Be Me, my journal from journey from cancer to near death to true healing. You know, I say uh, Freudian slip. I said uh, journal, and it really is uh, somewhat of a journal. It is. It's. Uh, I guess it is my life journal, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I have to mention also, and our loved ones are very well intentioned, and I've you know been through this on uh, several occasions where I had, uh, you know, people dear to me who have become ill, and um, you know most intensely uh, my uh, sister-in-law Belmyra who passed from a, uh, a serious case of internal lupus. Um, several years ago, but you struggled with this telling the people that you love about your cancer after yeah. the diagnosis. <clears throat> yes, I didn't want people to 
make a big deal out of it because I didn't want to feel it was a big deal. I was so afraid of it. And I felt that the more people knew about it, the more that they would treat me like somebody who had Mm -hmm. cancer. And I didn't want to be a person who had cancer. I wanted to push it away. I didn't want to uh, talk about it all the time. And I was afraid that any time somebody knew I had cancer, that's what they would talk about. They would say, so how's it going? What treatments are Mm -hmm. you having? And I didn't want to just keep talking about that over and over. Mm -hmm. And I started avoiding seeing people, avoiding answering the phones, because I knew when people called, all they wanted to know was about my cancer. Mm -hmm. And I I hated that. So when everybody is well-meaning and they love you and they want to know because they want you to live and, and everybody's got an opinion about the kind of treatment and whether what you're doing is right or wrong. I wanted to feel, um, I wanted to believe in what I was doing. I didn't want mm-hmm. people to come and put doubts in my head. So I struggled with that, with mm-hmm. an all well-meaning loved ones. Yeah, yeah. Were you aware of the uh, metaphysical implications of hearing that story and having to concentrate on that story over and again? You know, I I was, but interestingly... Uh, the idea that my thoughts were creating my cancer um, was actually quite scary to me, and um, mm-hmm. and in somewhere in the back of my mind, I I thought that I've created this, but that idea was very scary because I didn't know how to uncreate it. I didn't know how to create something else because that was all that was on my mind all the time. So how can you? push it away when that's all you're thinking about, that's all mm-hmm. everybody's talking about. So I was very afraid even of my own thoughts. And and it was only when I when I died in my de- near death experience that I really learned that um that e- when when I learned when I realized how magnificent and amazing I am and when I re- realized that all I had to do was be myself and and to love myself unconditionally um, that's all I had to do was just to learn to love myself unconditionally. Then that love for myself actually overrides or changes the focus from any fearful thoughts. That's all I have to do is just focus on my feelings and my emotions and find my joy and passion in life. I don't have to think about, okay, how do I get rid of these negative thoughts? How do I? Mm-hmm. I was so scared of my negative thoughts. How did I? How did I create the cancer? So today, if anybody came to me and said, I have cancer, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm so scared, how do I get rid of the negative negative thoughts? And I, I would say, don't worry about fighting those negative thoughts. All I want you to do is think about what brings you joy, what makes you passionate about life, and I want you to just focus on that, and I want you to do, I want you to uh, I want you to realize what a magnificent and wonderful being you are and to love yourself unconditionally and allow yourself to live your life in pure joy and and to find that place in you because you're not your cancer. Don't define yourself mm-hmm. as somebody with cancer. So even if the person is going for treatments or whatever, that's fine. But I think sometimes when we're going through all that, it's the fear. I think the fear is the worst part. The fear of cancer is worse than the cancer itself. And so I always tell people, 
don't worry about trying to get rid of the fear. Just focus on loving yourself and finding what brings you joy in life, regardless of what treatments you're going through, regardless of what illness you have. You can still find what brings you joy in life. Mm-hmm. And do that. It's very interesting um, when I was reading the story about, and I think I got up to about that point where you were in the hospital and, um, you know, you were dying or you died. And um, very vivid pictures, uh, memories of my sister-in-law, Belmira, came to mind and I began to recall the day um, when I was told that she had died. Um was sitting home with my wife. We got the phone call, and um, my wife has a, 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 a not too thick, but a pretty uh, thick enough accent where I kind of misconstrued what she said. And from what I understood, it was that her sister had died, and we were going to her mother's house. Well, we got in the car, and we began to drive to her mother's house, and suddenly I'm on a country road um, on the way there, and I began to say, we're ta- we're, it's not his fault, uh, meaning Belmire's husband. We're all tired. We're all just so very tired. And it meant nothing to me. So we continued the course, and we got to my mother-in-law's house, come to find out that Belmire was still alive. She was still living. She was in the hospital. Oh. So we get to the hospital, and we go up uh, the elevator to, uh, I don't know, if it was the, let's say the fourth floor. And uh, I get out and I can see, you know, she has about 12 brothers and sisters in the family, a large family. And they're all around and I can empathically feel, you know, the the sadness, the fear, the worry um, that she is about to pass. I walk into the hospital room. Um, There's a pastor in there and Bell Myers laying in the bed. And I just had the certainty that she was not there anymore. Her body was there. The machines were uh, keeping her functions going, but I knew that she wasn't gone. She had already visited me. She had already given me a message um, for her sister, for her for her family. That um, and uh, I'm not going to get into the entire uh, story about uh, what happened, but what actually uh, verified that I was getting a message that she wanted everyone to know not to blame the husband for something that he had said because it's a very difficult experience when you're going through sickness and illness with somebody. You know, yeah. we don't often talk about that side, but it's very trying uh, physically and psychologically for the people that are involved. And uh, come to find out her other sister uh, had a conversation with Balmyra about a week before, and she said exactly that word for word uh, to her sister. It's not his fault. We're all just tired. We're all just very tired. So the soul and spirit does leave before the body actually ceases. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting because um, because even when my body was still being kept alive, I was in a coma and it was still alive. Even mm-hmm. the, the doctor had said that we believe that she's gone. Her body's alive, but she's not there. Her organs have stopped functioning and there's nobody inside. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but... But yet, um, and and the thing is that by that point, I was not, I was no longer focusing through my body. My awareness was like everywhere. It had mm-hmm. spilled out, and it was everywhere at the same time. You know, there's a very uh, powerful movie called Powder. I think it was in the uh, maybe the uh, early '90s or late '80s, and um, he oh, actually, I knew that one. yeah, John John Travolta, right? 
No, John Travolta wasn't in it. Nope, this was a a different film. Mary Steam version was in it. And um, it was about this albino who who was actually, I mean, the the movie is so pertinent to this time because we're in this period of awakening. And they really uh, spoke a lot about the things that we we speak about um, here and uh, throughout the entire holistic health, wellness, spirituality community. And... um, he uh, was with a uh, gentleman whose wife, I think he, she was uh, suffering from cancer and that he was there to help her pass. And um, at the end of the film, before they uh, parted from each other, he said to the husband, um, she didn't uh, go anywhere. She went everywhere. Yeah, and that is so true. That is exactly what it feels like, that I didn't actually go somewhere else. I just spilled out of my body and I was everywhere all at the same time. It's exactly what it feels like. I was everywhere. And all of time and all of space, it, it it doesn't matter. Like, it feels as though when we're in our physical body, um... We perceive time as being linear. In the mm-hmm. other realm, time is not re- linear. It's like all of time is happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And all of space, like time and space is no bar. I can be anywhere mm-hmm. at any time. And yeah. I, yeah, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And our loved ones can be summoned to us. I mean, I've experienced this over and, and again, when I think of a special moment that I spent with them, um, I see the images in my mind. I feel the emotions associated with that. Boom. I get hit with the energy of their spirits, and I can feel their love, and I can feel uh, their messages. I mean, it, it's very powerful. Yeah, it is, because I was... Um, I, I, I've, my father was with me when I passed, when I was on the other realm, and my father was with me, my best friend, and it was like our energies merged, and it was like I understood everything that they wanted me to know. They they impressed all the information. Like my father wanted me to know that it wasn't my time, mm-hmm. um, but I still had the choice to go back. And um, and then I reached the point where um, my father impressed upon me that this is as far as you can go. If you go further, you can't turn back. And but. But both my best friend and my father wanted me to know that I could go back and live my life fearlessly. Mm-hmm. That's what I needed to do. Now, your father was very much into the entire uh, Indian culture. Yes, um, yeah. And you strange. actually um, yeah. took a turn for the better when you returned to India, and you studied under a uh, guru and uh, began to change your diet. And yep. uh, 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 I did yoga. To, yeah? yeah. 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 And um, yeah, so I was very. I was just following this regimen, and also psychologically, I felt really good because mm-hmm. this guru said, "There's no such thing as cancer. Every illness comes from just an imbalance in your body." So I started to feel really, really good. I was away from this environment where everybody mm-hmm. was treating me like I had cancer. And environment I is key. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So in a different environment, and and so I just watched myself, just you know, emotionally first of all, feel much better, much more powerful, much more in control of everything that was happening, because in a more Western medical environment, mm-hmm. the feeling is this is something that's happening to me. 
you know, and it, and I'm just a victim of cancer, mm-hmm. and then I have to turn my body over to the doctors and let them do what they have to do, and I and I just felt like a helpless victim. In this other environment, I felt that, oh, this is just an imbalance. Okay, so um, let me work on all the ways that I can balance my body again, and I started to feel really good because I felt, okay, let me balance out the kind of foods I'm eating, and I started to understand the Ayurvedic system of balancing out mm-hmm. the, the different foods and uh, and the different tastes and, you know, and uh, and what you need for the different constitutions, like I was uh, considered a vata constitution. And, and so, you know, the, the, it, it all started to make sense to me, and, and it was, I felt like I was in control, and and so, because if I created it, I can, you know, now I was being given some tools on how to change that. So I felt so much better. Mm-hmm. So you're feeling great. Yeah. You get on a plane and you go back to Hong Kong. What happens? <laughs> I go back to Hong Kong. Well, one of the things that happened is that um, my friend actually died at that point, And then the fear all started to come boom, right back as mm-hmm. she was in the hospital and 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 it was like okay the cancer killed her and um then everybody starts asking me so what are you doing about yours and i said oh no i've treated mine i went to india i did i did ayurveda and they said oh no no that that the stuff doesn't doesn't work you've got to you know you've got to go get some scans done go go to your doctor and uh, you know you've got to treat it properly because otherwise if you don't look what what can happen to you you can die and I said, yeah, but she did get treated, and she died anyway, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> um, But, yeah, the fear all started coming back. And then I could actually feel within me that, oh, my God, I think the cancer's coming back. So mm-hmm. every little ache, every little symptom, I, I started to feel, oh, no, it's coming back, it's coming back, and I'm going to die. And all that stuff started coming back again. Yeah, so a man think it, so it is. And that's exactly yeah. what happens. Our thoughts are very powerful. Um, yeah. You know, I see it in different relationships in my life. And, um, you know, many times, it's, uh, you know, it could be, uh, like I said, it could be health, it could be uh, finances, it could be uh, relationships. But when people adamantly believe and then begin to feel the emotions associated with their fears, they quickly spiral into those fears. If only we yeah. could take the power in that. Because we are so good at creating what we don't want in our lives and we, we quickly are. paint the picture <laughs> right <laughs> we create the, we storyboard it in our minds and we place ourselves in that worst possible scenario and then we're so surprised that we end up exactly where we thought we were going to be yes but what i learned and what i'd like to differentiate for everybody listening and anybody who has an illness is that um this it's very fearful to even think that your thoughts create your reality <clears throat> because you could be thinking uh, cancer all the time and, and it's very difficult to change mm-hmm. your thoughts. So what I want people to know, actually, it's not just our thoughts so much as it is our emotions. So mm-hmm. what I what I learned from my experience and from my near-death experience is to not worry about my thoughts at all. Mm-hmm. Not even I don't even worry whether I have good thoughts, bad thoughts. The key there's there's a couple of key things here. One is it's my emotions. How am I feeling? 
So it's the fear. It's not the thought, but it's the emotion mm-hmm. of fear that the thought brings. That's the more important thing. And and the second thing is that if I want to snap out of the fear, the thing I have to do is focus on something that brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And if I constantly work on realizing that I am magnificent, I am loved, and if I, I work on loving myself, the fears do dissipate because the more I love myself, the more I allow joyful things to come into my life. And the key is to love myself. The more I love myself, the more I will attract what is truly mine. The more I will allow my uh, the joyful things to come into my life. Because when I don't love myself, I don't allow joyful things to come into my life. And I, and as long as I love myself, I don't even have to watch my thoughts. Because mm-hmm. it's more important to be myself than it is to be positive. And if I allow myself to be myself... That's the best thing I can do for myself. Mm-hmm. So it's all energy. We're shifting our energy. And are there any yeah. tools in particular that you use whenever you feel that uh, fear factor coming into play? Try to what shift. I do is um, I, I start asking myself different questions. I don't um, because when fear comes in, what we're doing is we're thinking we're thinking in terms of oh I should be doing this and I'm not doing this or oh mm-hmm. I'm not meeting this deadline or I'm not meeting this expectation. Those are fear questions or, you know, like uh, fear thoughts. What I do is I have to change it and say, okay, what am I feeling? How do I feel? Um, what, what, do, what will make me feel good? What do I need to do now to bring joy back in my life? And then answer those questions and, and do those things. That's what I do. One of my friends told me, her name is Mary Lou Bresson. Actually, I wrote my first uh, manuscript for my first book, The Apostle's Recipe for Happiness, and um, I uh, met this woman, and uh, she was going to uh, do a meetup at a building that I had, and I said, you know, I don't usually do this, but I'm getting a strong feeling to give you this manuscript to read. So uh, she read it. Uh, she gave it back to me about a week later, and she said, Ron, this is all metaphysics and law of attraction. I said, what's that? I had no idea what any of that stuff was. And um, she gave me the uh, movie The Secret. I uh, viewed that, and I was astounded. Uh, But she had a lot of very unique um, tools that she used. And one that really stood out in my mind was that she would look in the mirror and just smile. (laughs) Yeah, see, I like that. And that would shift her automatically. She would just yeah. smile in the mirror, and so many times I use that too. I'll get up in the morning, maybe I'll feel neither here or there. I'll look in that mirror and put a big smile on my face, and and, and I shifted the entire uh, vibration of my day. See, that's nice. Yeah, that's um, that's a very quick shift, and I like that. That's an excellent tool. See, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that one too because I love it. Just smile in the mirror. <laughs> so simple, right? Or yeah, you can really? laugh, you know, laugh in the mirror, <laughs> you know. I mean, there's so many things you could do, but you, you want to do the things that you love, you know. Yeah. And many times when people begin to feel terrible, it's because they stop doing the very things that made them happy. They stop doing the things they love, you know. I, I uh, met uh, Mar- Mary Lou, and uh, we put together this creative cultural center in the in the building there, and we had groups, law of attraction groups, metaphysics groups, and uh, this woman came up to me once, and she said, Ron, I understand everything you're saying, she said, but I don't understand. I, I don't understand why I feel this way. I just want to feel good again. I said, when was again? 
Yeah. You know, and she says, well, I said, what were you doing during that point? She says, I used to paint. I used to do all this stuff. I says, I'll tell you what. You go back and you start painting when you get home. You know, you do what you love. And yeah. the next week she came back. She says, Ron, you're not going to believe this. All of a sudden, uh, she was happy. Her vibration shifted. All these incredible opportunities began to come into her life. Yeah. <laughs> it was as simple as that. She stopped doing what she loved. And we need to do what we love every day, regardless of what other people think about it. Exactly. We need to do what we love and we need to laugh. We need to hang out with people that make us laugh. And we need to learn to laugh at ourselves and not take life too seriously. Yeah. And not take ourselves seriously either. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're, we're winding down. We have a couple of minutes left. Um, as far as the medical providers, the medical profession, the doctors out there, um, you know, what advice would you give them? I would actually say that the emotional um, the emotional well-being of the patient is actually one of the most important elements in treating disease, and I think it is grossly overlooked, grossly mm-hmm. neg- neglected, and in a huge way, in a bigger way than anybody actually realizes, anybody in the me- medical profession. I don't even think it's a factor that is even taken into consideration when people are treating cancer. Everybody who is trying to find a cure for cancer is purely, purely looking at it from a cellular level and they're coming up with drugs on how to manage the cell growth and things like that. Nobody is looking at how the emotions contribute to cancer. Mm-hmm. And and I actually feel that that there is something huge there that people are yet to discover. And and it doesn't matter whether it's children who have cancer or pets who have cancer or adults. It's not their fault. I don't want anybody to feel that it's their own fault they got mm-hmm. cancer. I don't want the yeah. medical people to feel it's their fault. But I just think there's something there that needs to be studied and researched. There's a root to the issue. Yeah, there's a root to the issue. All right. Anita Morjani. The book is Dying to Be Me, My Journey from Cancer to Near Death to True Healing. And I love that quote on the cover. I had the choice to come back or not. I chose to return when I realized that heaven is a state not a place, and it is exactly that. And it's amazing, too. I talk to young people a lot, and they really uh, grasp onto that concept. The uh, things that they have been taught in the past just just don't hold water. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. We're we're at a very incredible time, and, and, uh, you know, the the next generation that's coming into play, they know a lot of what we're learning. Yeah, they do. They really do, and I'm glad. I'm so happy. I'm glad, too. All right, Anita, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to having you on again really soon. Um, As always, you can connect with all of our guests, just like Anita or Johnny, author of Dying to Be Me at beingwithronash.com. That's beingwithronash.com. We'll be back Saturday night, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, WARL 13. 20 a.m. Attleboro, Providence. Be peace, everyone.
Experience the power of being. Join author and intuitive life counselor Ron Ash on an infinite journey of enlightenment. Being explores the various modalities associated with self-help and spirituality. Master divine guidance. Connect to source energy and expand your consciousness. For a complete list of our affiliate stations and showtimes, visit beingwithronash.com. Looking for your next vehicle? Look to Gemini Auto Sales and Service. They have everything you need to purchase, finance, and maintain your next quality pre-owned vehicle. Gemini takes the guessing out of finding the right vehicle at the best price because all of Gemini's vehicles are priced to sell far below like vehicles within a 50-mile radius of their two convenient locations. Gemini's staff of ASE certified mechanics buy, sell, and service every vehicle on the lot. Quality vehicles, unsurpassed service, and guaranteed financing. Gemini Auto Sales and Service, 401-228-8686, or visit Gemini Sales Service. Do you have a special gift that you'd like to share with the world? Then consider broadcasting your message on BTRN. The Bean Talk Radio Network is local, national, and international broadcasting with powerful programs that enlighten minds and change lives. BTRN hosts are passionate about purpose, motivating listeners to confidently move forward in the direction of their dreams. To host a show on BTRN, call 401-640-GIFT. Become a part of the Bean Talk Radio Network today and contribute to positive change tomorrow. We are BTRN, the Bean Talk Radio Network. Learn how to connect with spirit and create the life of your dreams. Purchase the complete Ron Ash collection and save 45% now. Get the Apostle's Recipe for Happiness. Breaking Through, Being, and the Secret of Divine Intervention today for only $30. That's $25 off the retail price. Make your life-expanding purchase today at beingwithronash.wordpress.com. Again, that's beingwithronash.wordpress.com. Looking for the best choice in appliance sales and services? Danny's Appliance Sales and Services has what you're looking for. Whether you choose a new or recycled appliance, Danny's Appliance Sales and Services strives to reduce waste and save energy. Keep your appliances in your kitchen and out of the landfill. Danny's Appliance Sales and Services professionals are experts in appliance repair and know how to save you money. Before you make your next appliance decision, call Danny's Appliance Sales and Services at 401-351-0510. Danny's Appliance Sales and Services, 263 Academy Avenue, Providence, Rhode Island. Rhode Island Natural Awakenings Magazine is the perfect resource for those seeking a healthy, natural lifestyle. In every free monthly publication, you'll find practical, cutting-edge information on natural health, nutrition, personal growth, green living, creative expression, and more. Find Natural Awakenings wherever free magazines are found. Read it online at rinaturalawakenings.com or call 401-709-2473. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. Rhode Island Natural Awakenings Magazine. At a crossroad in your life, looking for insight and assistance with relationships, career, or finance, internationally known certified psychic medium Vicki Murphy identifies past life patterns that impact your current life. Realize soul purpose, initiate action for success, move past fears and the disease caused by them. Medium Vicki Murphy, 760-521-2027, westcoastmedium.com. 